The Gist is sponsored by Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and printer and save up to 80% compared to a postage meter. Sign up for a no-risk trial and a $110 bonus offer when you visit Stamps.com and use the promo code THEGIST. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Thursday, March 12, 2015. From Slate, it's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. About the size of Belgium, that is the useless measure for a place that is frequently cited by the news media. Wall Street Journal loves about the size of Belgium when they want to communicate something that's, I think, the size of Maryland. Does that really help? But I got a new one. I got a new about the size of Belgium, and the situation is fluid. No, really, that's what we're talking about, fluids. How to convey fluids. Wall Street Journal today said that S.A.B. Miller, the world's second biggest brewery after Anheuser-Busch, sold 20 million hectoliters of lager a year, and then they helpfully defined a hectoliter or 20 million hectoliters thusly, it's the equivalent of 800 Olympic-sized swimming pools. All right, what do I do with that? I can picture an Olympic-sized swimming pool, and I can picture two, and I can picture four, but once it gets over 12, it just means a lot of swimming pools. And I can picture the surface, but how deep do they go? The answer is six feet, but I don't know that. I've never really, I guess I've been in Olympic-sized swimming pools. That I've seen the Olympics in a swimming pool. It seemed pretty big. But after you go like 200 Olympic-sized swimming pools, is that the amount of lager that S.A.B. Miller made? I don't know. I have no idea. What if they said it's 8,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools? Just seems like a lot of swimming pools. There's a better way to convey liquid. Here we go. A hectoliter is 100 liters. That's the definition. We all know what a liter is. So if you do the math, you could say that 20 million hectoliters, that's like 2 billion liters of lager. A little abstract, but I'm getting closer to something that I could touch or taste or allow Ryan Phelps to do the backstroke in. All right. 2 billion liters converts to half a billion gallons of beer, 500 million gallons, all right? Now we're approaching the realm of the graspable because I deal with gallons all the time. And if I wanted to give you something physical where you could actually picture 500 million gallons of beer, check this out. The world's largest ship, a tanker called the Nock Nevis, which actually got sunk uh, off the coast of Iraq, but that's not important right now. It's once called the Seawise Giant. The tallest ship, bigger than the Empire State Building, holds 84 million gallons of liquid. So you could fill the world's biggest oil tanker six times over, and that's the equivalent of the amount of lager that this S.A.B. Miller Company makes a year, right? I think that's a little more relatable than 800 swimming pools, just because six of something, even if we don't know how big the thing is, remember, bigger than the Empire State Building, six of something is always better to visualize than 800 of something. I don't know. I may be wrong. I am well into my first hectoliter of lager for the week, working on hectoliter number two. One hectoliter for my baby, one more for the road. On the show today, I spiel against good causes, sort of, maybe, and high maintenance. It's a new web series, but that really undersells what it is. It's a funny show. It's engrossing. They've created a very distinct world, and it's as long as it wants to be. And that's what's groundbreaking. It's not 22 minutes. It's not even like Netflix episodes, which are 10 to 12 episodes, all of roughly the same length. It can be whatever it wants to be. And right now, it's an interview between me and its producers. 241 Vanderbilt. Yeah, man, you out. Yeah, I'm on my way. Yeah. Hi, I called from the hotel. Um, you said 45 minutes. I'm on my way. 
High Maintenance is a web series. It has 19 episodes, which is broken down to six cycles and a bonus episode, if you know those particular units of currency of web series. In fact, what the creators of the show, Katya Blickfeld and Ben Sinclair, are doing is they're not the first people to do a web series. They just might be the first people to do a web series that can rival anything on TV. High Maintenance is about a guy called the guy who will deliver you drugs. And this is the kind that makes you want to eat, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does that. Is it very strong? I don't smoke. That is the conceit, and it can go anywhere. Katya and Ben are the married couple behind the series. Ben is also the guy who plays the messenger. Hi, guys. Hello, hello. Hello. So, you got the gist right there. There you go, <laughs> Yeah, ben. there you go. We're done, right? Yeah. yeah. That was great. <laughs> ben, did you, is your character based on someone? Uh, the only, I think he's probably an idealized version of myself, probably. Or actually a combination of who Katya and I would both idealize a human to be. Someone who's open and laid back but can still stand up for themselves and is adult enough to finish the job that they were put on to do. But not so adult that they uh, want to, you know, be part of, like, the corporate machine or something. Yeah. <laughs> Please share the road, man. Fuck you, man. You're right in the middle of Bumbacloud Road. There are kids darting out into the street because you're selling ice cream, man. You gotta be fucking careful. What else say to me? Kids are darting what, 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 out. So, have you set any rules for yourself? What are the, you know, Seinfeld had the no hugging, no learning decree. Do you have any similar decrees? We try to veer from cliche a lot of times. Or if we are going to depict a cliche, we need to add something extra to it. Uh... But that's pretty general. Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing for us is is to be plausible, to portray stuff that we situations and people that we find to be true to life. And if something feels not possible or not truthful to us, even if it may be someone else's truth, uh, if it's not true for us, we don't usually depict it. So that's that's kind of our main thing, I think. But then we've sort of developed like a weird little rubric over the over the last couple of years to um to jump off from for our story structure but it's not that exciting yeah i think <laughs> i i think it would probably be no stoner stereotypes yeah that's the big one yeah i wrote i wrote that in there easy pot humor and it does yeah. if jay leno would have made the joke then you can't have made the joke whatever it is whatever pot related joke i haven't thought about it like that before but that's probably pretty close to the mark yeah <laughs> You don't think that's what it's going to look like, do you? No! What is that? It's a bald bear, man. (laughs) You don't think it's going to look like that without his fur, and it's really upsetting, (laughs) right? (laughs) The coloring goes straight back into him. (laughs) I do see the guy, your delivery guy, as not as being a reactor, and in most episodes, as not being the catalyst for the action. Now, has that changed over time? Um, is that a conscious choice? Does that does the series work when he's the reactor and not the catalyst? It's interesting you bring that up. I mean, I mean it is. He has been the catalyst a couple of times, and we've or more than a couple. But but you're right. Like a lot of the times, he's not. And we've sort of. It's funny. Over this last year, we've sort of come to see that the episodes that we like the most and the ones that seem to grab the audience the most and be more popular are the ones where the guy 
affects some sort of change in his customer's life and, and like either reveals something to them that's life changing or, you know, causes them to realize something that will change their behavior, that kind of stuff. There you go. I recommend Sweet Cheeks. Okay, Sweet Cheeks, why don't you get us set up? You set it up. You set it up. I refuse. I brought it here. You have to be a host, man. It's interesting that you would point that out because that is a realization we kind of made this last year. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that he is required to do in every episode is go to somebody's apartment with some pot. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and I think like that's kind of the part of our rubric and part of our, our structure. But these stories are very, do grow very organically, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they. Uh, they are very, uh, you know, sometimes we'll add the guy on in the very last moment. We'll be like, oh, we have this story. Oh, we need to include some pot into it. Or other times it'll be like we have an idea about the interaction between the customer and the guy that uh, is the, the climax that the story is leading to. And then a lot of times we'll work back from whatever the climax is, whether it includes the guy or it doesn't. Yeah. And so Katya, you I know you have worked a lot in comedy and for shows like 30 Rock casting, mostly casting as a casting coordinator. Uh, casting director actually. Yeah. So if you were to cast the role that you put your husband in, would he fit what most networks uh, would want from the pot dealer character? I always feel like Ben was my best casting work to date because we sort of created the show for him in a roundabout way. So for me, in my mind, I think he's perfect. Um, and since he's done this show, I feel like a lot of network type shows have actually called him in for auditions for similar roles, which he's usually not too stoked about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've sort of been a little protective of our, of our property here. We don't really want him going and playing a bunch of drug dealers on different shows. So he politely declines those things. So I can only imagine people are seeing what I'm seeing, but I don't know that before... We well, that's not true. Ben got cast as a lot of criminal types and and stuff like that before we did this. So you know what? Yeah, I think he probably could get cast as a drug dealer before this. But lovable criminal, no, no, not lovable, lovable right. not lovable. That's that's the difference. I think Ben, you know, Ben's got kind of like an edgy, wild side to him, which I love. But he also has another side to him, which is very sweet and sensitive, and he's like super good with children and. And is just super goofy and really open-minded and like just so full of jokes all the time. And I don't know, I felt like a lot of casting directors were missing that. And this show was very much kind of a reaction to that. Wow. That, that was nice. I mean, that was just very nice. I just <laughs> don't want to let that... I, I thought that was very nice. Oh, you're welcome, Ben. One of the reasons I like this show, and I generally don't like stoner comedies, when I say generally, there are comedies with elements of drug use that are funny, but if you want to count the ones that are in the actual genre of stoner comedies, I don't like them. I think with the movies, the joke is always, isn't it funny to get high? And on this show, it's not like you never touch on that, but that's usually not the joke. Yeah, well, I think we're portraying people who use uh, marijuana for all kinds of reasons. And while a few of them are recreational, I feel like mostly the people we're portraying are people who kind of self-medicate because they live in New York and they're stressed out to the max <laughs> yeah. and have a lot of like anxieties and neuroses about life in general. So I feel like that's where we're coming at it mostly. And, and that's how we land in that place. Yeah. Just an attempt to normalize a behavior that's already pretty normal for a lot of people. We're just trying to make other people who don't, may not think that it's normal understand that, well, you know, you're, that smell out of your neighbor's place 
who is an iBanker is probably what you think it is. Yeah, and then to let those people know, that iBanker know, like, hey, man, it's cool. Like, a lot of people do what you're doing. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, what's one character who, when you first conceived of this, might have surprised you that it would work successfully in a show like yours? Uh, I think the one that comes to mind first is our friend Avery Monson, who plays the asexual magician. <laughs> I think when we put him in, we, the first time he showed up was in this one-off we did called Dinah, which was like our winter episode, which wasn't part of a cycle of three. Uh, he was just a little B story beat, and we just thought it was would be a, a fun little thing to portray somebody who was asexual because we hadn't seen that before. Ta-da. That's for you. So is this like some pickup artist shit? Uh, no, I don't do that. I'm a proud asexual. Huh. Yeah. I just love magic. Wow. I don't think I've ever met an asexual. You definitely have. We're all over the place. And then it was just so fun working with him, and he was so funny, and so many people reacted positively to that. We were like, hey, let's see him again. And then we brought him back. He's been back four times in total now, and that's not something we considered when we conceived of it originally. What made this show a web series as opposed to somewhere else you could have put it mostly subject matter mostly length mostly just like let's do it ourselves and not ask anyone else's permission it, ding 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 number the, three yeah, yeah it's really the the web series is the lowest barrier to entry to actually getting your project to a place where people can watch it everything else is a bunch of rounds of notes and people who are going to finance and give money and this and that and finding a distributor and this you know. It's a very lengthy process, as you probably are aware of, to get anything put on the actual air. We didn't have huge ambitions for where this would go, and we just wanted to work together and work with our friends and sort of create a little calling card for ourselves, and here we are. Calling card. So is it successful in and of itself? Is this series paying your rent, or is it going to lead to something else? Uh, more the latter. It really hasn't. I mean, it's helped us pay our rent a little bit this year, but it's only just starting to do that after almost three years of making it. It's, but it did fulfill our goal of wanting to be a calling card for sure. And yeah, now we have a, a career where people are uncomfortable giving us the keys to their projects, realizing that we have a vision that they might want to get in on. So what's a future project you'll be working on? We did some branded content, can't share with whom yet, but uh, we did some of that in L.A. We're about to go to New York to shoot another set of commercials for a small company. And then, you know, we have a bunch of uh, properties that we want to develop into miniseries and feature films. Yeah, so now we're actually just out here in L.A. doing what people do in L.A., having meetings and lunches and, you know, talking to cool, creative people that we might want to work with. And it's pretty exciting. Katya Blickfeld, Ben Sinclair are the creative team behind the web series High Maintenance. New episodes are up now on Vimeo. Check it out. Thank you, guys. Hey, thank, thank you so you. very you much. You great questions. Investors sometimes like to say when the tide comes in, that's when you see who's not wearing any bathing suits. Well, a similar thing happens on the first couple nice days of spring or near spring in a place like D.C. or New York or Boston where there's been a ton of snow. Those huge mountains melt and you begin to see what was buried there. 
Normally, dog feces tends to lead the list. I don't know why people don't pick up after their dogs in the snow, but they don't. But all manner of detritus and hats, and I think stamps. I think you could find a lot of 32-cent stamps, 33-cent stamps, stamps from a bygone era preserved in the permafrost. But unlike Captain America, those stamps won't work now. You can't rely on street-found stamps. What you can rely on is stamps.com, because stamps.com doesn't need to be preserved in amber or slush. You could print right from your desk postage, real postage, the official postage. It'll even tell you how much postage you need. You could weigh your little envelopes or your big boxes because they even give you a free digital scale. So here's the deal. If you use the promo code, the gist, you qualify for a special offer. It's a no risk trial. It's a $110 bonus offer. That digital scale I mentioned and up to $55 in free postage. It's real stamps. You don't have to scrounge about the street and dodge the dog feces. So go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in the gist. That's stamps.com. Enter the gist. Avoid the dog feces. And now the spiel. Bad manners for a good cause. Today in Arizona, actor and comedian Will Ferrell is playing in five spring training baseball games at nine different positions. He's hearkening back to a feat pulled off by real baseball player Bert Campanaris. Uh, this season marks the 50th anniversary that uh, that Campy played all nine positions. Uh, frankly, I don't know the backstory. I don't know why he had to play all nine positions. I guess some of the other guys were sick or decided <laughs> not to show up. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm doing it to raise money, so. And that is my cause. The cause. Cause? Well, because I'm churlish? Maybe. Because I am a bad guy? Yeah, I think not. Because I'm a discerning inquisitor into the human condition? Yes, wait, I've got six more positions to go before I tell you all the reasons that I'm allergic to it all being for a good cause. Now, that example, Will Ferrell, that example I'm citing, it actually does seem kind of for a good cause. He's raising real money, says a million dollars. That's great. But if it weren't for a cause, if he were doing it just to be funny or whimsical, I would be for that too. I'd have no problem with that. However, he's also doing it for a capitalistic cause. It will somehow be turned into an HBO special in conjunction with Funny or Die. So if I said Will Ferrell is going to play in five spring training games with the intention of turning it into an HBO show, you might say, well, why is that good for anyone? But when I say, ah, but he's doing it for charity, it just cuts off your questioning at the knees. Who dares question raising money for charity? Well, apparently the answer is me. When Lance Armstrong cheated, he often blood his critics with the fact that he was standing up for cancer survivors and he was raising money and awareness. One of these days I'm going to get into awareness. But this came to be called by his critics, those covering him, as the Cancer Shield. And the Cancer Shield, or the Charity Shield, is a pretty attractive piece of battlefield regalia for many different types of warriors. Donald Trump uses it often. The Celebrity Apprentice, that depressing, bottom-dwelling, carnival-like spectacle that trades on the renowned or faded infamy of the Botox and the beleaguered, is for charity. And Trump often ups the charity offering in proportion to the unlikeliness and unseemliness of his enterprise. To wit, if Barack Obama opens up and gives his college records and applications... And if he gives his passport applications and records, I will give to a charity of his choice 
inner city children in Chicago, American Cancer Society, AIDS research, anything he wants, a check immediately for $5 million. For a good cause is the mainstay of reality TV. Without it, the producers know that we might get a queasy feeling or maybe even worse, we won't get a queasy feeling. We'll still watch their terrible shows and then one day maybe start to seriously question why we have no soul. So they layer the for a good cause argument onto things like this celebrity boxing match, which was on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Here's Rob Kardashian with a testimonial. Yo, I do not know what's up with this dude. This is supposed to be for charity, and the guy's, like, coming at me with full force, like, trying to just rip my head off. No jabs, no nothing. I also seem to see, every year, former child star Danny Bonaducci getting into some slap fight with some lesser celebrity and then offering to settle it in the ring. What? for a good cause. Cause marketing is the name for the process where a company convinces you to patronize it because it has a heart. Sometimes this is legit. Other times, companies spend millions of dollars buying ads telling you how great they are that they gave away thousands of dollars. When it comes to charity, I don't demand purity or total selflessness on the part of the giver. Rich folks who hold themselves in high regard and want their picture in the newspaper next to complimentary phrases, that pretty much is the definition of philanthropy. And most philanthropic giving at least makes the giver feel good and therefore is not true altruism. Often when you hear the it's for a good cause argument, you know that what's going on is impolite or crass or shameful and they're just quickly grabbing the most convenient covering when the lights flick on in a dark room full of grunting and shortness of breath. I'm still talking about celebrity boxing, by the way. Reality shows, celebrity boxing, wacky DJ feuds, those seem to be the lifeblood of the for a good cause clause. And I would suggest that Trump, Bonaduce, all manner of Kardashian are the members of society least likely to recognize what a good cause really is. How about you guys give something without making everyone else pay attention to the fact that you gave something and also pay attention to the ancillary enterprises attendant to your giving? That would be good. Of course, it wouldn't advance your real cause. The Gist is produced by Andrea Salenzi. She's responsible for so much of the show's success. How much? 1.25 oodles, which is the equivalent of 34 scads. Managing producer Joel Meyer used to live in Luxembourg, so he can automatically convert buttloads to shitloads in his head. Executive producer Andy Bowers, when traveling abroad, knows to keep his loam to under four heaps and three gobs as required when entering the country. Our Facebook page is alive with conversation and intrigue and merriment. I also have up there that Ronald Reagan video that I talked about in the spiel last week. It is good. It is Emmanuel Lewis good. It is facebook.com slash slate gist. The gist is also part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster of podcasts at iTunes.com slash Panoply. I could spell it. I'll give you three letters. There are two P's and a Y. I'm not telling you in what order. The gist, responsible for a small chunk of the vast expanse of the half passel of words that you hear in a given day. Thanks. How much thanks? Well, more than myriad thanks, but not quite mucho thanks for listening. <laughs>